The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. thinking about how Christ is applied to your life. I want you to give thanksgivings. I want, you, I want you to give thanks for these doctrines. I want you to reflect upon how we talk a lot about Jesus' entrance into the world during this season, but I want you to understand and know more about how he's applied to your life, and these doctrines will do that. So we're going to talk a lot about the unseen in some ways over the justification last week, sanctification this week. I'll be uh, apart from you next week. Um, and Elder Josh will be bringing the message then, and then we'll pick back up on the uh, second parts of these. So I'm a fan of people. I'm interested in people. People are fascinating to me. Um, that should It's kind of normal for a pastor, but I just in general are interested in people. One of the things that I'm interested in, I'm going somewhere with this, so try it with me. One of the things I'm interested in um, is I read biographies. I, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the big things I read is the history of music. I enjoy the history of music, not just any kind of, hit, any kind of music. This is odd. You might laugh about this a little bit. I'm interested in the history of rock music, to be honest with you. And so one of the things that comes with that, when you start reading about the history of this in America in some ways... You start tracking back into things, you start realizing that there were some people called Elvis. There was this man called Elvis. There was this man called Johnny Cash, and the roots of all this stuff are in these people. And so I've read a lot about them, and if you read about those men, you'll run into guys like Carl Perkins, and you'll run into something called the Million Dollar Quartet. Some of you may remember this. There was a gentleman that, that was a part of that as well. His name was Jerry Lee Lewis. Some of you might remember Jerry Lee Lewis. You're like, man, Britt's talking about Jerry Lee Lewis in a sermon. But anyway, so Jerry Lee Lewis, he's a fascinating man. I read a biography on him about 18 months ago. Um, he played the piano. He really transformed the way at the time. He really transformed the way the piano was played. He, people actually wanted him to repent for what he was doing with the piano. But he was a, he's alive still. I think he just had a stroke. But this uh, biography was written by a gentleman that was a professor at the University of Alabama. And uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, was he's fascinating to me because he was a wild man. He was rogue in some ways. There's a lot of really wild stories in the book. Some of you probably remember this. You've read in the news on it, but he ran it. Like one time he ran into Elvis's gate at Graceland and was got arrested. I mean, just these wild stories about him. But there was a comment in the book that I think is going to help us track this morning that the author wrote about Jerry Lee Lewis. He said this about him. This was, this was interesting to me. It caught my attention. He was talking about his younger days when he was playing and getting involved in the, uh, in the music scene. And he said that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, he said he made, he was talking about him here. He said he made one more attempt at the holy life. He made one more attempt at the holy life in part because he wanted to ease his mother's mind. And he says, or at least he went to a place where doing right was the general idea. He might have even made it, probably not, but maybe. And then the author equips this. He says, if someone would have had the good sense to lock up the piano. But I read that and I thought to myself, he made an attempt at the holy life. And I, when I read that, I remember thinking to myself, I actually wrote a note in the book that I've actually been there. I've actually been where Jerry Lee Lewis was in this statement. I've been in a place where I've made an attempt at the holy life, whatever we define that as. I've made an attempt of the holy, I'm just being honest with you, I've made an attempt at the holy life in order to appease someone else's expectations. I've been in this space. I've been in a place where the Christian faith was something that I did in order to meet and ease the mind of the people around me. 
I've done the right, right thing, but it wasn't because it was embedded in my heart. It was because it was embedded in someone else's heart. Has anybody else ever been there? So over my life, I've given some serious and practical thought to this idea of sanctification, uh, some really practical reflection on about, uh, what is the holy life and this idea of sanctification. I've wrestled with these plaguing questions in my life you know, what is, what, is, what is this all about? What is sanctification all about? What should I be doing? Why am I even doing this? I don't know if anybody has ever asked these questions of themselves, but why do I even pursue the holy life? What does it matter? Should I even be doing this? What am I supposed to be thinking about all of this stuff? This is stuff that I've wrestled with. I, I, I imagine that you've probably dealt maybe with some of these plaguing Christians before, but if you believe you're justified, if you believe the last truth that we talked about last week, that you are justified before a holy and righteous God, but, but you struggle with how do you pursue the holy life, a $6 word for sanctification. And so there was a lot of whys in my life with this. Why are we doing this stuff? Why do I read the Bible? Why does the Bible call me to fast? We're going to talk about this later on. Why do I come to church? Why do I listen to all these rules? What is going on with all of this stuff? These are the plaguing questions of sanctification. It bothered me so much that I'm getting a PhD in it. It's bothered me so much that seriously, that's why I'm getting a PhD because these questions have plagued me all my life. Why are we doing this stuff? So in many ways, this is important for you to know. In many ways, what I'm gonna tell you this morning is that I wrote the textbook on what not to do to be sanctified. <laughs> when you write that textbook, I can at least tell you what not to do, right? And so uh, I've, 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 I've thought incorrectly about this for a lot of my life, just to be honest with you about it. And so it's from those mistakes that I hope to provide some clarity for you this morning so that we can think clearly about sanctification and this can be a joy in your life. So today we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 23 to 24. I think this text, uh, this text will probably carry us through the next two sermons, today, maybe preservation, maybe glorification too. I don't know, I probably could have preached all four of these sermons out of this text. I think I can, I see all of it in there. Um, but First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. Um, I almost preached justification out of this. I'll tell you why later on, but I went with the classic text on this. So look at this scripture with me, and then we'll think carefully how to apply this doctrine to our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 to 24. This, there's a lot about sanctification in the book of First Thessalonians, but this is Paul's benediction. The benedictions he gives in these letters are rich, so I'll often go there to look for things. But verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. I'm going to talk to you about what completely means. We misunderstand that at times. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful the preservation in this. He will surely do it. This letter is written to Christians. First Thessalonians is written to Christians that are struggling with some persecution. Most of the letters that Paul dealt with, he's dealing with false teaching. That's some of what's going on in this as well. And so he talks to them a lot about sanctification. Persecution is a form of sanctification. I'm not going to get into all of that this morning. Sanctification can be miserable, to be quite honest with you. It can be a miserable thing for us. But that's, I'm not going to get into all of this. But I think he's going to help us think carefully about these big words, sanctification. So if you'll notice in the first part of verse 23 here, 
here. He refers to God as the God of peace. There's a lot of meaning to the word God of peace in this, but in general, it should be understood as a reference to justification. Sometimes when we think about peace in this context, it's more about God. This is important for us. This peace that's being talk about, talked about in here is more about making the creature right with the creator. You understand that? That's what we talked about that so much in justification last week. I hope you understand that. Justification is the way that God makes you right with himself, okay? So that's what this idea of peace in this verse is talking about. So this type of, we're just gonna clear the air here and we're gonna understand this as God making the creature right with the creator. So God is reconciling the creature to the creator. And then you see in the closing statements here, Paul is writing, he writes to encourage Christians here. And he grounds the entire thing in justification. So now may the God of peace, the God who reconciles you to himself, justification, that's that doctrine we talked about last week. He says, now may himself sanctify you. So Christians are grounded in justification and it's because you're justified that you live a certain way. Are you tracking with me here? These things are connected. These, we're, I'm trying to connect dots with you in certain ways. It's because you're justified that you lived in a, a certain way. So what way are you supposed to live? You're supposed to live sanctified. That's what Paul is telling us here. He's telling us that you're supposed to live sanctified. So Paul, he gives us a, cu- a few key things in this passage that are important for today's sermon. He says that because God is a God of peace, he's a justifier, he's a reconciler, he sanctifies. And then these are two statements that are important for us. God is the source. God is the source of justification and sanctification Both of these are a grace in your life that are applied by Jesus Christ. Okay, God is the source of all of those. There's some human part in sanctification. I'm gonna talk to you about that later on, but God's the source of them. Your sanctification in this area, here's the second part of this. This is so important. I hope you can grab this stuff. Your sanctification, it extends to your whole person, your spirit, your soul, and your body. So sanctification is a whole person truth. Okay, sometimes we think of sanctification as this like mystical, spiritual thing that we can't touch. It's a whole person truth. I'm gonna talk to you more about that later on. So based upon these two things, God is the source of sanctification. He's the source of sanctification and the application of justification is sanctification. I'm gonna try to simplify this some for you later on. And sanctification is a whole person truth or doctrine. So let me give you some theology on sanctification. I'm gonna give you some truths about this stuff. Okay, here's some preliminary thoughts on sanctification. I hope this is helpful to you. What is sanctification? At its basic sense, sanctification is holiness, okay? I've told you before up here that God's holiness is his otherness, his set-apartness. So your sanctification is the means by which God sets you apart. It's a, he sets you apart for his purposes. At its basic level, that's what sanctification is. It doesn't mean if God sets you apart for, for his purposes, it doesn't mean withdrawal. It doesn't mean that you withdraw. It's a misnomer about sanctification. So the definition of sanctification is holiness. It's being set apart for God and his purposes. But then there's a relationship to justification we gotta get in. So remember last week I told you that justification is instantaneous. It's a miracle in your life. When God converts you, he justifies you. And at that instant, your sins are forgiven and you are in Christ in ways that are are beautiful to you. So that's a miracle to you. You're declared right before God. So justification is the root of sanctification. 
from justification, sanctification flows. Justification and, sancti- and sanctifications are two, a twofold grace. Okay? There's been a lot of confusion in the church about these two doctrines and it leads to some very dangerous things. It's a twofold grace to you. So those that he justifies, he also sanctifies. They both, justification and sanctification, they begin when justification happens, sanctification begins immediately. This theologian Burkhoff that I think writes really good, he says sanctification is justification taken seriously. See the connection between them on this? this? This is what the Reformation was all over in general. The Reformation was people were unpleased with the way the Catholic Church was doing. This is a 50-cent tour of it. And they decided to try to reform the church, but they ended up splitting off and being Protestant because they thought the Catholic Church misunderstood these doctrines. They had them backwards. So in other words, the Catholic Church uh, misunderstood the proper order so that it was, it was as though justification happened as you were sanctified and then you got to the end of it and hopefully you were justified and hopefully you got in. And the gospel, it turns all of that on its head. You're justified for a life of sanctification. I'm just trying to give you some truths here. I'm hoping this helps. Biblical justification, the gospel blows up the pattern that was in the church that you are sanctified and hopefully it'll be enough to justify you at the end. It, the gospel blows it up. Jesus blows that pattern up. That's how he's applied to your life. So the definition of sanctification is holiness. There's a relationship to justification. Out of justification, sanctification comes. And then there's this important part to it that took me a long time to remember, to realize this, that sanctification is progressive, okay? It just happens a little bit and a little bit over your life. You just don't wake up one day and you're holy. It's a, it's a process that happens over your life. This, this other theologian, Burkhoff, he, said, he calls us divided men. He says that we have split loyalties. So you live in this constant tension. We're divided people. We have double wills at times. I told you last week that when you're justified, you're still gonna struggle with sin. But thank God that he looks through you, looks through through Jesus to you. So the struggle is real. I'm I'm here to tell you that sin still exists. It still exists in the church to my grief. It's alive and real. It's exhausting. Most days it's exhausting to deal with my own heart, (laughs) much less the hearts of other people, to be honest with you. And so this past week, two weeks ago, I had to call and apologize to a dear friend of mine. I said some things that I shouldn't have said. And it hurt him. And I had to call him. And I realized I'm a divided man. I have two wills in my life. I was ashamed of this. I have a split loyalty that's going on because there's a progressive nature to sanctification. I have to live with this every day. There's some things, I'm just going to be honest, there's some things you probably want to gossip about right now in this church. Divided loyalty. To my, there's some issues of pride that you probably need to deal with right now. Divided loyalty. To my, this is grievous to me. Statistics tell us that there are people in here right now that are looking at things on the internet that are dark and broken and will take you to a pit of nothingness. Divided loyalty. You're a child of God. You're struggling with this stuff. Divided loyalty. You're a split man. There are things that you said at work this week that you wish you could take back. Divided loyalty. 
Split loyalty syndrome, we all live here. I'm serious, sanctification is progressive and therefore we're on this journey and sin still exists. Justification is the declaration of your righteousness before God and then sanctification is making you right through, although you're divided people, the struggle is real and sanctification is progressive and I I say this all the time, sometimes it's miserable. God has sanctified me in ways, and I thought, please, no, is there, it's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way than this. And so that's the way it is. So sanctification is progressive. We have a split loyalty syndrome that I termed this from the sky, Burkhoff. And then sanctification, this is important. I believe this. I'm just trying to give you truth. Some of you aren't tracking with this stuff, and it hopefully it'll be helpful to some of you. But sanctification, I believe this. I would defend it. I'd go to the wall over this. It begins in the mind. It tracks through the soul, your inward parts, and then it manifests itself in the body okay sanctification this is why this is why doctrine and theology matters sanctification it begins in the mind it goes through the heart the soul your spirit and it 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 shows itself in the body you've heard this all the time well I don't see fruit in them that's because maybe there's not anything to produce fruit maybe there's no justification I don't know and so the reality of it is is that you see what Paul writes here he says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely And may your whole spirit, this is a truth for you, your whole spirit, the completely in the whole spirit, soul and body, he gives you a a whole person picture here. Do you see that in the text? This phrase completely here, it's it's not in respect to full or perfect sanctified in this earth, it's in reference to the objects of sanctification, you. Paul is advocating for a whole person sanctification. In other words, you pursue godliness through every aspect of your person, your head. If you were here a couple Wednesdays ago, first Wednesday, I've been teaching on this. I'm gonna continue walking through this in the future. This is a big part of what I spend my life reading and thinking about. But if you were here, I told you that that spirituality, sanctification is the whole body. It's the head, it's the heart, it's the hands. Whole person sanctification. God does it all. And so if you're, if he does with all of your, all of your, all of your body. And so if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard that in the first Wednesday thing. But I just wanted you to hear this important statement here. I believe that sanctification starts with the mind. It is through knowledge of God that we are sanctified. As you know God through the Bible, this is why we're Bible people, this is why I'm a Bible man. The way you know God is through how he has revealed himself to you in scriptures. As you know him through that, as, you, as that knowledge goes in, it inflames your heart and then it propels us to action. Sanctification starts by correct knowledge of God, the Bible. We have objective truth about God and he's given it to us to sanctify us. Sanctification though, it's not only the immaterial. Sanctification, sometimes we think about sanctification as internal unseen thing and I believe that's at some degree but there's an outward aspect of sanctification as well. Holiness includes the pursuit of things like community and missions. I believe I could defend that evangelism is a part of sanctification. I could defend that. I believe that. I believe that from the Bible. It's all a part, loving your neighbor, all of these sort of things. Spurgeon said this. I love this quote. He says, we, we talk, we think, we experience, we feel, but true Christians can say with the apostle Paul, we walk. Yes. I read that and I go, yes. This is a man that understands sanctification. So sanctification, it begins in the mind, it goes into the heart, and it comes out in your hands and feet. It's head, heart, and hands. Very simple, simple thing there. 
The third truth, this is probably the fourth one, I think. There's a lot to say on this. I can't touch on this comprehensively, and things get super odd in the church when we talk about the uh, Spirit's role in it, but there's a work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification as well. The Holy Spirit plays a key role in this. This is what I need you to know from this. The Holy Spirit, it operates through God's Word to sanctify you. You understand that? Through His Word, not separate from it. It operates through the Word of God to sanctify you. That's the Spirit's operation in this. I could probably preach seven sermons on this, but I don't have time to deal with it, and you don't have the patience to hear it right now. But to suffice it to say that this work of sanctification is twofold it involves God, the Holy Spirit, and it involves you. It's both and, not either or. Sanctification is not passive. It's hard work. I'm here to tell you. I'm just trying to give you truths on all this stuff. This is, I'm just trying to give you truths on all this. I told you the way I'm going to break these sermons down. And I'm going to give you truths on them. And I'm going to tell you how to apply all this stuff. You're thinking, Britt, what am I supposed to do with all this stuff? Hang on a second. Sanctification, God, sanctification is a work of God and a work of you. Both and. Not either or. It's hard work. I'm here to tell you. So how do we respond to this stuff? How do we respond to the doctrine of sanctification? What are we supposed to do with this? The answer is real simple. The answer is really simple for you. Pursue it. Pursue sanctification. This is much different than justification because justification, I told you last week, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's a grace from God. We're uncomfortable with that. We're not bent towards grace. We want to earn it. Justification is, a, is directly from God. Sanctification is something you have to pursue. God's involved in it. For, but from experience, I just, I, I believe this from experience. I believe it from the Bible. I think this is why the Bible emphasizes it at some level. But I think most of us, in my experience as a pastor, being around church my whole life, my personal experience, I believe most of us plateau at some place in sanctification. And that's just where we, where we stay. I believe that. I believe there's a lot of people in the church that are justified and they just get to this place where they know what they know and they've done what they've done and they're doing good works. You can see fruit in their life, but there's so much more potential for you. And they just plateau out on that. So it's like what I think all the time, how do we avoid the plateau of sanctification? Because it's real, it's hard work. How do we avoid that? How do we avoid the plateau of this? How do we avoid it? I got, I got a few things for you. I got a diagram, an illustration that we can throw up here. It took me longer than I would like to admit. I don't know if you can see my immaculate handwriting on this. It took me a lot longer than I'd like to admit to realize this, this paradigm or whatever you want to call it here. So this diagram, it changed everything for me in the way that I think about sanctification and holiness. I figured this out through years of trial and error. <laughs> I figured it out the hard way. And so I've tried to frame it in an illustration for you this morning. But that sanctification, it comes through holiness and that basically that's obedience. And there's two forms of obedience in the Bible for us. I get this from an old dead Puritan named Thomas Manton from my PhD supervisor and some of this is my thoughts too this is a lot condensed down into a little right here but there's legal obedience this legal obedience is perfect conformity to God's will it's perfect holiness we don't believe in that I can't get there if you can get to perfect legal obedience call me because I need to know something so there's legal obedience this is perfect conformity to God's will only through Jesus does this occur you know this, only through Jesus it occurs. So what do we do? What do we do? We live under gospel obedience. Gospel obedience is sincere, sincerely seeking God's will. 
Doesn't mean you're not gonna stumble. Doesn't mean you're not gonna do things and have to call one of your friends and tell them that you made a bad statement about them. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna trip up and fall, but you should sincerely be seeking God's will. You should say God's will's the Bible. That's what we know about it. And so how do, you, how do you pursue this? It's a heartfelt pursuit. And then this is so important for us. It's a continual acknowledgement of the need of the gospel. You're gonna get these places and you're gonna like, I wanna do the right thing, but I can't. And I failed. And when you have to call your friend about failing or you've looked at the internet on something you're not supposed to, you're gonna realize that you're a broken person. You live with a divided loyalty and you're gonna have to go right back to gospel obedience. Listen, I was caught in the trap of legal obedience for so long. I was caught in this trap and it's a lie. It's a lie to you. So I want that to be, I want you, I'm just trying to, it took me longer than I, than I needed to, that I want to admit to understand this. And so the nuts and bolts of it is that sanctification is founded in obedience, but how do we obey the Bible? We obey the Bible through the gospel obedience. Man, I want this so bad for you. I want it so bad for my life. How do we live out gospel obedience? How do we live this out? How do we live out sincerely seeking God's will, a heartfelt pursuit, a constant acknowledgement of the need for the gospel? I gave you justification last week. I told you to reflect upon justification this past week. I hope you did. As you'll realize that everything's grounded in the gospel. But I got three things for you. There's a, there's a, I mean, there's been enough ink spilled on how to pursue gospel obedience to fill this room up. I'm just gonna give you three things that I hope are really helpful to you here. The first is this. Every day, go deal with yourself. I'm serious. Every day, go deal with yourself. Literally, every day of my life, almost every day, and you don't have to do this in the morning. I'm, just gonna be, I'm trying to be really practical to hear. Uh, you don't have to do it like I do, but every day, I try to get up. I try to get along with my Bible. I try to get along with God. You've heard so many preachers over the years tell you this, but I'm serious. I try, and I don't sit down and reflect upon this guy who's done me wrong or this issue in this guy's life or this problem we're facing or this issue with my wife or whatever might be going on in my life. I get along with God and I look and I deal with my job. I sit around every day I try to for some period of time and I reflect on what am I doing to blow it am I hurting people am I treating people with kindness am I loving my neighbor what in my life do I need to handle I deal with myself how do you pursue a gospel obedience get along before God and deal with your junk If you don't have it, come talk to me. (laughs) I can help you identify it. Seriously, deal with your stuff every day. That's just self-reflection with scripture. I want this for you. The second thing, how do you deal with yourself daily? I think this is a part of it. We're gonna do this this Wednesday. I hope that you'll participate in it. But prayer and fasting. This Wednesday, we're calling the church, the elders are calling the church to pray and fast. And so after you eat dinner on Tuesday, until you walk in here at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, I hope all of you will participate. Some of you are looking at me and going, are you asking me not to eat? And I'm going, no, Jesus is. (laughs) It's in the Bible. But anyway, it's like, if you participate in this, when you come in here, we're gonna ask you to come in here. The elders are gonna bring you in. They're gonna pray. They've got some very specific things they're gonna pray for you about. So why, do we, why are we doing this? Why do you not eat food? What does that have to do with anything? It's in the Bible, but this is what I think fasting is all about. We fast not to be legalistic. 
We don't fast to make ourselves look holy or to be closer to God in ways that people can see. We fast because I think it heightens our focus on God. So if you fast, I've done it. If you've done it, you fast. Every time hunger pains come into your life, they will. You don't look up and go, man, I want a saltine cracker or I would crush a piece of pizza right now. You're supposed to, that's your body's way of getting you to focus on God. And you might be looking at me right now going, this is nuts, Britt, but I'm serious. You will have an intense focus on God. Every time you have hunger pains, you should reflect on God. And this is what I want you to do. It's an intensifier. Fasting is an intensifier. I've done it. You're just gonna have to trust me. If you haven't done it, it works. It intensifies things. It intensifies things. And so this week, when you do this, you pick three things in your life that you need to pray for okay this is really practical this is what I do you pick three things in your life you want to pray for I don't care what they are you can make them up here's the three things that I'm going to pray for anything in your life the first I'm going to pray for Ethiopia this church is going to take a trip in March God willing to Ethiopia this is this is I'm going to pray for this trip I'm gonna pray for the team going on this trip. I'm gonna pray for the people involved in this trip I'm gonna pray for the people there that we don't even know that we're going to be involved in That's what I'm gonna do. Every time I feel like I want a piece of pizza, I'm gonna pray for Ethiopia. I'm gonna pray for the nations. I'm gonna pray for the work we're doing there. The second thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray for Greg Smith. Every time I get hungry, I'm gonna pray for this guy in Bahrain named Greg Smith. I'm gonna pray for his steadfastness. I'm gonna pray that God utilize him in that space. I'm gonna pray that we love him and we serve him well during this time. I'm gonna pray that I love him and serve him well during this time. I'm gonna pray for him. I'm gonna pray for the other leaders of this church. And then the third thing I'm gonna do is I've got one individual in mind that I've been, that God has broken my heart over for their salvation. And every time I get hungry, I'm gonna pray for them. And I'm gonna pray that God use, use whatever means necessary, whether it be me or someone else to get the gospel to them. And I'm gonna plead with him to save them. I'm gonna plead with him to save them. You see, it intensifies your focus on God. And I, don't, I think if you don't fast, I don't know if anybody in here could do this on a regular basis. So fast with us on Wednesday. Be a part of that. Come in here at 6 p.m. and, and, and be with your elders. I'm not gonna be here this week. I'm gonna be in Louisville, Kentucky, but I'm gonna be fasting with you. I promise. I'm gonna be in another state, but I'm gonna be fasting with you. So come be a part of that. Deal with yourself daily. That's number one. Number two, be with the people of God. How do we sanctify ourselves? I believe this. I believe this from the Bible. I could defend it in a number of different ways, but I believe that sanctification occurs in the context of people. I believe that. I believe that. I'm all about being in the world and at some level, I'm more comfortable, to be honest with you, at some level, I'm more comfortable in secular settings than anywhere on earth. I enjoy being around different people. I enjoy being around people that are different to me. I thrive in that, but sanctification requires you to be around the people of God. That's why he's given you community. You understand that? That's why he's giving you this church. This is why we think church membership is important. This is why we plead with you to be involved in a body of Christ, to be engaged in a body of Christ. We're all broken people. If you hang around long enough, you'll realize how broken I am too. But get in, dig in, man. Be around the people of God. There are things, there's these things in this church called city groups that we launched out. It's a small group system. It's community and mission. Jump on the website and look out about it. I believe that sanctification occurs in that context. It occurs as you serve people, as you're around the people of God. God, as you eat dinner with them, as you hang out. I believe that sanctification occurs as you read the book of Hebrews, but I also believe that sanctification occurs when you're just around the people of God. You tracking with me? Everybody okay? Be around the people of God. Knowledge and the spread of the gospel are equal. Knowledge 
the spread of the gospel, God uses those equally to sanctify you. He uses them equally. I believe sanctification starts in the minds, but the hands are just as important to sanctification. And number three, this is what I term maintain grace-based living. This diagram I gave you earlier, gospel obedience, maintain a graced, grace-based obedience. You've got to continually go back to the source of your sanctification, your justification, in order to live out a grace-based life. You have to understand that you are where you are because of God's grace. You have to constantly keep this in mind. In order to live a grace-based life, you have to live a life of obedience based in grace. And you have to fight, you have to fight to keep justification right here. That's why it's so important to sanctification. You understand if you lose justification, you lose gospel obedience. You lose grace-based living. You understand that? <laughs> I'm gonna give you an illustration here. I love this. And I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, on Wednesday morning this week, uh, I, was, I was actually writing this. I was downstairs. I get up early. I'm awake earlier than, than, um, than I'd like to admit some days. But I'm downstairs. And my, wife, my little girl, she's three. She's like clockwork, man. She's like her mom. She's super analytical. It's just boom, 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 boom. So um, she, the same time every day, man, boom, she hits the dirt. She's awake. And I think she literally jumps out of bed. I literally do. I don't know. I'd like to be a fly in the wall and see there. But I'm, I'm in my, our living room, which is downstairs my office, which is off our living room. And her bedroom's almost right above me. And so every morning, man, like the same time, boom, you hear those feet hit the floor. And it's like, doom, 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 doom. And you hear the door open. And she, she's aggressive about it, man. If you, I don't know where she gets, <laughs> I don't know where she gets this from, but she's agenda-driven, man. Uh, she she opens and slams the door, wham, just slams it. I mean, and the whole house is awake at that point. And she'll usually come out like a queen or something. She comes out, she stands in front of the door and she's like, mommy, mommy, she yells for mommy. And sometimes there's life there, sometimes there isn't. <laughs> it just depends on how early it is. So she, she comes, and so if mommy is not available at that time, which she is 99.9% of the time, mommy's available. If she's not, sometimes she'll make her way downstairs, okay? And so we have these, these things are treasure to me, man, I'm telling you. So we'll have this time. It'll be like some mornings it's 5.45, <laughs> but some mornings it's later than that. We'll have this little bit of time that we'll talk. So she comes downstairs, she walks in, um, she comes and sits by me and she's all, man, when she wakes up, she's ready to go. I mean, she's, she's on point, man. She's got questions. She's got things she wants to get to. So she comes downstairs and we've had this running dialogue. So I talk to her kind of just like an adult a lot of times. We have this running dialogue about this bull, okay? This bull, a male cow. I have this little bronze bull that's in my desk drawer, uh, my office drawer. And it's a replica. If any of you have ever been to the financial district of uh, New York City, I think it's Bowling Green Park. There's a uh, well, the charging bull, I think it's called there in that park. It's this big bronze bull. I like finances, so I have this little bull in my drawer. She's played with this bull a lot, and she, she calls it a bull. It's not a bull, it's a bull. Anyway, so she's dropped this thing like three or four times. It's been shattered to pieces, so I've super glued it back. And so I have this bull in my drawer. And so when she comes down, she's always like, Daddy, is the bull awake? And so I usually tell her, because I'm trying to preserve my bull, we have a conversation. I tell her, I said, hey, listen, so the bull, he's kind of, this is what I told her on Wednesday. I said, he's kind of a professional. 
I was like, he's kind of a professional guy. He doesn't really like toddlers. He's not really into toddlers. <laughs> I just, just to see what she says, right? I'm like, you know, he's not, he's, got, he's trying to sleep. He's kind of grouchy. He's professional. He's worked all night long. I was like, he's not really into toddlers. He's not really into toddlers. And so just this past week, I was just like, I'm gonna see where this goes on all of it. So she's asked me, she come down this week, and she, oh, Wednesday, and she goes, daddy, is the bull asleep in your drawer? I was like, yeah, he's asleep in there. And I just off the cuff, I said, listen, what do cows do? Like, what do cows do? So my parents, I grew up in a cow pasture. My parents have cows all around their house still. And so I know, she knows a little bit about cows. She looked at me, she didn't flinch, man. She looked at me, she said, they eat grass all day long. And I thought, okay, yeah, I mean, they, they do. That's a good point. There's beef cattle do. And so then I looked at her, I said, what about milk? I said, do, do cows have anything to do with milk? Do they make milk? And she, looked, she has this brow. She looked at me. She thought a second. And you could tell it was really turning. She said, nah, bulls don't, bulls don't make milk. Uh, cows don't make milk. Milk comes from the fridge. And I thought, okay, <laughs> so milk comes from the fridge. But I'm writing this sermon and I thought to myself, I was like, okay, so I, I thought she's missing the source to all of it. She's missing the real source of the milk. It's okay for her to think that milk comes from the fridge until the milk runs out. Right? Then she's got problems. And so she's got problems. Our sanctification at the same time, it's okay to ground your sanctification in legal obedience until that ability runs out. You tracking with me there? It's okay to ground your sanctification in, in, in obedience until the, you run out of ability and then you got problems because the real source of sanctification is the gospel. The real source of sanctification is the gospel. How often we miss the source of things. Sanctification, it doesn't come from you and your ability. It comes from God Almighty, grounded in justification, practiced by you, upheld by the Spirit. Sanctification source comes from Christ being applied to your life through God's grace, not your goodness or ability. This is grace-based living. You've got to continually go back to the source, Jesus Christ, and reflect upon his application to your life. This is grace-based living. You've got to keep Jesus' application in your life and justification right here. You've got to keep it close. Through peace with God and justification by the application of Jesus Christ and the upholding presence of the Holy Spirit, may we pursue gospel obedience in the name of sanctification in order that we might be set apart for God's purposes. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm, I'm thankful to you for the truths of scripture. I'm thankful that you give us, you give us scripture in order that we might know you and in our mind we may um, we may have knowledge of you, Father, and we may know these precious truths of our faith, but I pray that by the work of your Holy Spirit and by our own, own heartfelt dedication that we pursue sanctification. I pray during this Christmas season, Father, that we reflect upon these truths and how you've given these things to us, Father. And if you call us as Christians, you know, you've reminded us in the scriptures that you will sanctify us. Those whom you justify, you'll sanctify, Father. So give us strength over this week to be people that are set apart for your purposes. And we thank you for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Today, my friends, is a special Sunday for us. Mr. Braxton over here and his dear wife, Evelyn, this is gonna be their final Sunday with us. They're part of an internship uh, program with Charleston Southern, and so they're gonna close us out with a wonderful song here. If you would love them and let them know how much you appreciate them, I've been so appreciative of their time with us. Just give them a warm grace on the Ashley uh, farewell this afternoon when, you, when we wrap up here, and um, let's close in a beautiful song.